Hi guys, uh, Pastor Greg Corcoran here from Battlefield Baptist Church. Uh, pray that this sermon is a blessing, an encouragement, and a challenge to you in your walk with the Lord. Additionally, I just wanted to say that if we here at Battlefield can ever be a blessing to you, please don't hesitate to contact us. And the best way to do that is through our website at battlefieldbaptist.org. Again, I pray this sermon blesses you, encourages you, and uh, that you'll fall more in love with God, more in love with his word, and more in love with people. It's a bit of a unique Sunday morning. Not only is it Sanctity of Life Sunday, not only are we coming off of week one of an amazing round of Upwards basketball games. Thank you, by the way, to all those who participated, volunteered their time to make something like that happen. That doesn't run without you and uh, without our many, many volunteers. So thank you so much for your participation in that outreach. Uh, but also, uh, I, crossed I came early yesterday morning, just a little bit of transparency. I came very early yesterday morning to get some last minute things done for Upwards Basketball. So I got here a little after six. I crossed paths with pastors sometime before seven, maybe 640 range. He handed me his sermon and he said, you know why I'm giving this to you? And I said, yes. He said, okay, I'm going to urgent care. <laughs> so anyways, be in prayer for pastor and, uh, and Chris is not feeling well either. So just be in prayer for them that uh, healing um, protection that they wouldn't get any sicker. But nonetheless, a unique Sunday because here I am and here I am on short notice, but we're going to make it happen. I do want to take just a second to say thank you to Patrick. Man, thank you for all the work that you guys do at the Warranting um, Pregnancy Center. Thanks for being here, explaining a little bit of what Sanctity of Life, Human Life Sunday is really all about. And thank you for being here to help us kick off our first ever um, baby bottle fundraiser, right? And so if you missed that, I know a lot of people have come in since then. If you missed kind of what that's all about, grab a baby bottle on your way out. Patrick has a table set up back there. Grab a baby bottle on your way out. Man, and stuff that thing as full as you can get it with some money and bring it back, right? Bring it back before three weeks is up. All of those funds will go directly to continue their work at the Warranting Pregnancy Center. What they do um, is, is, is not free, it costs money. Um, so they need funds. Um, so please, please, please help, uh, help us raise awareness and, uh, and support for the vital, vital work of that ministry, um, the work that they do in our community. So a few weeks ago, uh, Pastor Greg began our series entitled Resolved. And listen, the entire goal or the entire mindset or really the, the, the crux, if you will, of this whole series um, revolves around the understanding that everything has come from God. Every single thing. And, and therefore, because everything has come from God, everything belongs to God. We read it in Psalm 24, verse 1. It says, the earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. For he hath founded it upon the seas and established it upon the floods. John says in chapter 1, verse 3, he says, All things were made by him, and without him was not anything that was made um, made. 
right? So if everything belongs to and has come from God, then that means that he has the absolute right to ownership or the right to absolute ownership, rather. And it says in Colossians 1.16, Paul wrote, he said, um, for by him were all things created that were in heaven, that are in the earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him, and don't miss it, and for him. Right? And you can be sure that this right to absolute ownership, right, because he made everything, he absolutely owns everything, or he has the right to absolute ownership, you can be sure that that includes this very gift of life itself. That's why we read Genesis 2, 7. For um, the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living soul. Listen, we just sang about it. We didn't even plan this. It's, it's his breath in our lungs. It's his breath that made humanity alive uh, to begin with. It's all his. It was created by him, for him. He made it, and he has the right to own it. We are merely expected to be good managers or stewards of all that he's blessed us with. And listen, if, if we hope to be good managers or good stewards of this sacred trust of the gift of life um, that God's blessed us with, we need to be strongly determined I don't, listen, all politics aside, every time I hear pastors say that definition and I use those words, I say strongly determined in Trump voice. I don't know if you hear it in Trump voice, but that's, listen, we need to be strongly determined or resolved. Look with me, if you will, um, to Genesis chapter one this morning. Genesis one. Genesis 1, verse 27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. Listen, this verse is a great reminder that God is the creator of all life, right? And we were and continue to be created in his image. And you've heard it before. Therefore, because we are created in his image, we are merely image bearers. Turn with me to Psalm 139. Psalm 139, beginning in verse 13. For thou hast possessed my reins, Thou hast covered me in my mother's womb, and I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. My substance was not hid from thee. You know nothing's hid from the Creator. So when I was made in secret, and obviously uh, curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth, thine eyes did see my substance. Yet being unperfect, and in thy book, all my members were written, which in continuance were fashioned when as yet there was none of them. This passage is all about David's recognition of God's magnificent work as his creator. 
Turn to Jeremiah 1, if you will. The prophet Jeremiah, he receives a, a direct reminder from God himself with regards to his creation. It says this, Jeremiah 1, beginning in verse 4. Then the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee and ordained thee a prophet among the nations. Listen, obviously God had a purpose for writing this and and we don't ever want to pull anything out of context, especially from behind this sacred desk. But, but we know that his purpose for revealing this information to Jeremiah is in order to get him up and moving, so to speak. This is a bit of a motivational speech for him. But no matter how much some people may push back against using this passage from Jeremiah um, with regards to sanctity of life, the reality is that what God says in relation to knowing Jeremiah, to forming Jeremiah, to bringing Jeremiah out of the womb um, because he had a plan for Jeremiah and for his life, that cannot be denied no matter the context. After Moses questions God's plan for his life, Right? If you remember, God says, listen, I want you to bring my people out of captivity. And he says, I'm not the one, God. I, I kind of have a little bit of a speech thing, a little bit of a, a speech impediment. I think you got the wrong guy. That's a, your plan for my life is not that good. I have a better plan. Lord, why don't you let me do this? We find in Exodus 4.11, it reveals the Lord's answer to him. And he says this, who hath made man's mouth? Or who maketh man dumb, or deaf, or the seen, or the blind? Have not I the Lord? Sadly, though, you know, for the most part, the culture that we live in doesn't see life as, some, as a sacred trust or even a gift of God. Therefore, its opinions and its decisions that they make surrounding life are rarely in line with the truth of God's word. Right? And then when you couple that with, with teachings on evolution or any other um, philosophies regarding creation and life, it's really led to humanity really being relegated to nothing more than just a bundle of cells or some collection of molecules that really has no real significance at all. Therefore, many who support uh, uh, these sorts of positions that are other than promoting um, and protecting life, they like to use terms such as fetus in order to dehumanize unborn babies. But here are some facts from various resources I want you to consider. It says, by the first month, the unborn baby's heart and circulatory and digestive systems develop. Its backbone and spinal cord are formed, and the neural tube closes while neurons begin to form in the brain. By day 42, brain waves can be detected. At 52 days old, an unborn baby can hiccup and yawn. By the eight-week mark, all of the baby's organs are functioning. At nine weeks old, among other things, the unborn baby will have fingerprints. Pay attention to this one. The unborn baby can feel pain at the 10-week mark. At 12 weeks, an unborn baby can smile and is coordinated enough to, to suck his or her own thumb. Eat your heart out, Pastor Greg. Hair begins to grow at 20 weeks. <laughs> If we look back, look back at Jeremiah 1, we, we can further detect um, some truths from God's perspective, right? These things are worth noting, um, and I think we can do it without doing a disservice to the context. Jeremiah 1, we just read it, verse 4. It says, Then the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Before I formed thee 
in the belly, I knew thee. And before thou camest forth of the womb, I sanctified thee. And I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. If you notice first, the, the word before, it's used twice. At a, at a bare minimum, this points us back to a time before the point of conception. The word I is used four times to indicate that God is not only the one that's speaking these words, but he's the one at work in the womb. The words thee and thou that are used in the King James are used a combination of five times, which tell us what is in the womb is a person. It's not a bundle of cells or just molecules. It's not a, a fetus. This is a life. Turn to, turn to Luke 18. And I want you to turn there because I want you to see this for yourself. It's important for us to notice what God's word actually has to say about children, even when they are still in their unborn state. Spoiler, I can assure you it does not say that they are a blob of protoplasm. but rather it acknowledges that they are a person. Luke 18, if you pick up in verse 15 with me. It says, and they bought unto him, him being Jesus, also infants, that he would touch them. But when his disciples saw it, they rebuked them. But Jesus called unto him and he said, suffer little children, to come unto me and forbid them not, for such is the kingdom of God. The word that we find at the beginning of verse 15 as infants, that we've translated as infants, it comes from the Greek word brephos. B-R-E-P-H-O-S. Oh, they actually have it on the screen. Sorry, I want to spell that out for you. <laughs> brephos. Now turn back to Luke 2 with me for a second. Turn there. Again, I really want you to see it. Don't let me just tell it to you. Read it for yourself. Luke chapter 2 will be in verse 16. And this is where God's word tells us that the shepherds, they came with haste and they found Mary, Joseph, and the babe lying in a manger. Now that word, translated as babe, also comes from the Greek word, brephos. Turn back one more page to Luke 1.41. Actually, mine's on the same page. I'll spare you the page number. <clears throat> Luke 1.41, notice what Scripture states, and it came to pass that when Elizabeth heard the salutation of Mary, the babe leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost. You know the word babe here in verse 31 also comes from the Greek word, you guessed it, brephos. Brephos. 
right? Which means an infant, properly unborn, literally or figuratively. It means also a babe, right? A, a young child. And it also means an infant, even in its born state, as we would think a newborn baby. And so if you haven't picked up what I'm trying to lay down here, the point that I'm trying to make is that biblically, God uses the same exact word when referring to young, child, uh, young children or toddlers, referring to a newborn baby and referring to an unborn baby. It's all the same. Brephos, God makes no distinction and neither should we. So what should our response be when it comes to this sacred trust of life that we've been blessed with by God? I'm sure you've heard it said, right, that um, life is God's gift to us and what we do with it is our gift to God. And so I just want to leave you with a few takeaways as we close. First is we should be resolved to praise God for his gift of life. Job says in Job 33, 4, actually the word of God says in Job 33, 4, it says that the spirit of God hath made me and the breath of the almighty hath given me life. We ought to be resolved to praise God for this gift that he has given to us of life, right? Like when we, like King David, right? I mean, he's able to write Psalm 150 because his perception of God and God's work and creation from 139 shows forth, right? And so when we, knowing that we've been fearfully and wonderfully made is what David said in 139, it should cause us to praise God every single day. And this is what we get in Psalm 150. Praise ye the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in the firmament of his power. Praise him for his mighty acts. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise him with the psaltery and the harp. Praise him with the tremble. And, the, and dance. Praise him with stringed instruments and organs. Praise him upon the loud cymbals. Praise him upon the high sounding cymbals. Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. And we ought to praise God for this gift of life. How often do we just take it for granted each breath that we draw and second, we should be resolved to ponder the many lives that have been lost due to abortion. Psalm 127, verse 3, it says, Lo, children are an heritage to the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. It's not a, not a curse. It's not some, some kind of punishment. In the... I think some of the issue is this, this topic of abortion can become so polarizing. I mean, when both sides get, get so passionate, to say the least, in that what happens sometimes is, is I believe we, we trivialize the tragedy of it. Right? We, we can become so enraged and so impassioned at the other side um, that we kind of forget the victims in a sense. And so I, I stayed last night, I did some reading, and um, it, the CDC, they compile their abortion figures using numbers that are voluntarily reported um, by central health agencies, uh, uh, the vast majority of states, um, including D.C. 
And, and its latest totals, they do not include figures from California, Maryland, or New Hampshire. They chose not to report the data to the, DC, the CDC. And the CDC says that um, there were 620,327 abortions in 2020 um, in the District of Columbia in the 47 reporting states. The Guttmacher Institute and this institution actually supports abortion. Um, they have no reason to juice up their figures, but they go about it a little bit differently. They compile its figures after they contact every known provider of abortions, whether that's clinics, hospitals, physicians, offices um, and that they know of in the country. And it uses questionnaires, um, and it also uses health department data, and it provides estimates um, for abortion providers that don't respond to its inquiries. And so Guttmacher's figures are a bit higher than the CDC's in part because they include data and in some case estimates um, from all 50 states. Guttmacher's um, national total for 2020 was 930,160. Is there a lot? Human lives, not, not collections of molecules or bundles of cells or a fetus. These are babies. May we be strongly determined as ambassadors of Christ to walk worthy of our calling, to walk in love, to walk as dear children, to walk in wisdom in a way that points people to the abundant life that is available in Jesus Christ. The Pew Research Center it conducts a lot of surveys about abortion um, over the years, and, and they've helped provide this lens with which, um, you know, uh, we can kind of see Americans' views on whether the procedure of abortion should be legal or not. And, and they did a survey after the Supreme Court's decision in June of 2022 to end the constitutional right to abortion. And their survey says that 62% of U.S. adults said the practice should be legal in all or most cases, while 36% said it should be legal in all or most cases. In another survey, um, it just said that relatively few Americans take on the absolutionist view of this issue. 62% of adults in America think that the practice should be legal in all or most cases. Man, that suggests that 62% of adults in this country lack a biblically sound understanding of life and the creator of it. Right? We should be resolved to promote and to protect the sanctity or the holiness of human life while we are pointing people, all people, to the author and the giver of life. We should be champions for the unborn, and we should be pursuing those that need to be spiritually reborn. The Bible tells us in the book of Romans that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. It goes on to say that there's a wage or a payment for that sin, and that wage is death. Ephesians 2.1, it tells us that if, if, if you've not been made alive in Christ, then we are dead in our trespasses and sins. Jesus told Nicodemus in John 3, in order for anyone to enter into the kingdom, they must be born again. 
God wants a relationship with you. If you don't have one with him, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, can I tell you, he wants a relationship with you. He loves you. And he proved it. This isn't just me speculating. He proved it. Romans 5, 8 says that God commended his love toward us in that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but they can have everlasting life. If you don't know the Lord, listen, God came to this earth in the form of his only son, Jesus. He lived a perfect, sinless life. He died a death on the cross. He was buried. He rose again on the third day. And he conquered death and hell so that you don't have to go there. Romans 10, 9, how can you be saved? If you shall confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and shall believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. In just a second, we're gonna enter into a time uh, of invitation. It'll be short. We're gonna stand. We will get some music playing. If you need to be saved, are you willing to repent from your sin? Will you place your faith in Jesus Christ? If that's you, call upon the name of the Lord. The Bible literally said, call upon the name of the Lord and thou shall be saved. You can do that from your seat, but man, if you need help, you say, Travis, I've never called out to God. I've never even prayed to God. I don't even know where to start. You can come forward. You can come forth. We'll have people up front that would love to show you how you can know that you have a home in heaven. Would you stand with me real quick as we enter into just a brief, brief moment of invitation? I'm going to pray in just a second. I would invite you to come. The altar's open. If you need to be saved, you come. And I, I know everybody here has probably has a story of someone that's been affected by abortion. Maybe you need to come and put somebody's name before God. Maybe you need to come and intercess on their behalf or perhaps on some of the victims of abortion. Father, thank you. For, for this Sunday. Thank you for the gift of life, the breath of life that you have placed into our lungs. Thank you for this opportunity we've had to worship you, to, to dive into your word. God, thank you for your son. Father, I pray that if there's one here that's not saved, that doesn't know you, God, that you would give them the courage even now to call out upon you or to step out and to run, to seek you, to seek your face. Save the lost, draw them unto repentance, Father. Help us, help us. Give us the courage to come before you this moment.